Wow, is this deal for real? Attention, woman in the nosh aisle. Yes, those deals are real. What is this place? Grocery outlet, where you can get otherworldly deals on natural and organic products every day. I'm feeling such bliss. It's the deals. They do that to people. Grocery outlet, bargain market. Welcome to Bargain Bliss. Revenge is a very powerful weapon and a very powerful tool that a lot of athletes use as a motivation. Seemingly every every athlete that gets asked or gets kicked out of Green Bay has this unbelievable revenge motivation in regard to the next team that they play for. As we welcome you to this 370th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mike Jansen, Chris Luke with you. With the news over the last couple of days that the Packers released uh, one-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle Mike Daniels on Wednesday, the day before practice was supposed to start at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. And then one day later, he signs a one-year $9.1 million contract with the Detroit Lions. And supposedly he had as many as 13 teams interested in his services, which begs to makes the question, I guess, is that a lot of teams were interested, but they weren't that interested enough to give anything up because the Packers supposedly were looking to trade Mike Daniels before they ultimately pulled the plug on him, saving $8.5 million in cap space so they can potentially put that money toward an extension on defensive tackle Kenny Clark, which would be money well spent in Green Bay. Daniels probably, with all the acquisitions, the two Smith boys um, also... Um, they re- they just re-signed defensive tackle. What the hell was his name? Dean Lowry from Northwestern. They just gave him a contract extension last week. So there was a lot of depth along the defensive front in Green Bay. And Mike Daniels, if you can save $8.5 million. But every Packer, and I know this happens. I just said this to Chris two minutes ago, literally. I know this happens in Pittsburgh when a Steeler gets jilted. I know it happens in New England. Someone wants to screw Belichick when they get kicked to the curb and end up with one of his other protégés. Look at Trey Flowers this year with leaving New England going to Detroit. But it just seems so ironic ever since Brett Favre, in his eyes, was unceremoniously dumped from the Packers. um, It seems every ex-Packer has an axe to grind. And Mike Daniels, of supposedly, again, 13 teams that I've heard that at least showed interest in at least talking to Mike Daniels about playing for their team. There were a lot of deals that were better than one year at $9.1 million. But it was paramount for the former Iowa product to get two shots a year at Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. What the hell is that all about? All I keep hearing about is this is a business. This is what it is. That's why Ezekiel Elliott asked that mastermind Jerry Jones. Ask him why he's not in camp. It's a business. Ask Ask the coach. I can't believe already. I know this is going off topic already, but I can't believe that that dipshit, the backup quarterback, Jarrett, Jason Garrett's been the coach there 10 years already. He doesn't look like he's... 10 years he's been there already. 
What has he done? He's he has like one 20. Year. I know. He's had one year. Uh, but anyway, getting back to Mike Daniels and ex-Packers, what the hell is it? It just seems Brett Favre had to play, had to play in either Chicago, uh, Detroit, or Minnesota. Preferably Minnesota because they had the most weapons. Um, who are other guys that you can think of that have at least entertained the thought of going to Green Bay or going to Minnesota after Greg Jennings did it? Uh, Dayton Jones has done it. Um, not any great loss to the Packers, but it just seems this guy had to play and take a lesser deal and take a lesser deal to make sure he got two shots a year at the Green Bay Packers. I hope that he has a really nice time with 6-10 and 10 in Detroit. 6-10, mm. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, that's very generous. Although, in fairness, I did really uh, do a lot of study, coincidentally, this morning on uh, the Detroit Lions. I've started my deep dive into really knowing the nuts and bolts and the really, really deep trivia about every team and really trying to learn them all for my fantasy football and for my gambling and all that stuff. And uh, Detroit, actually, I could see them being surprisingly good because of their defense. I didn't uh, remember that they had picked up the number of decent defenders that they've gotten even before Mike Daniels, and they've gotten rid of some that uh, weren't really that reliable. So I think that uh, they could be surprising, but I am still very down on the Detroit Lions as an organization. Now, talking about Mike Daniels specifically, Mike Daniels at least can get away with it. It's better for Mike Daniels to do this than, say, Brett Favre. You don't do it if you're a hero. Like, if you're Wayne Gretzky, you don't play for the Flames. That's just low class. That's just mm-hmm. spitting in the face of the fans. Brett Favre had no Brett business. Brett Favre playing for the Vikings is low class. That's exactly. Yeah. That's, oh, well, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, no. yeah. you, you, I get it. You and never really associated and, Brett Favre with class. And that's a valid point. I mean, you say, and you heard me rattle off some of the names. You know, Brett Favre is a different class that wears purple and gold after green and gold. It's a little different than when Greg Jennings or Dayton Jones or a couple other pieces of crap have done it. Yeah, I mean, with Mike Daniels, he can do it. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why he's so sore at Green Bay for just because they were cash-strapped because they have the best quarterback in the league and they have to pay some guys like that and they're getting more and more superstars all the time, signing more and more yeah. big guys I mean, to make here's a difference. The, here's what some people need to realize, especially in, par- in Packerville. I love Packerville, but remember this, folks. You have, and we have all been in Green Bay, have been yearning for somebody to play actively in free agency. We finally do it. We find three defensive starters and an offensive lineman. In one day. In one day. In a number of hours. That costs money, folks. And so to afford Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos and Billy Turner and uh, Aaron Rodgers... You have to allow Mike Daniels to find greener pastures somewhere else. Mike Daniels was going to be a luxury that the Packers did not have. And now, why did you take the kid in the fifth round? Uh, Kiki, I think his name was Kiki out of Texas A&M. Why did you take him in the fifth round if you weren't going to use him? You just gave the contract extension to the guy, Dean Lowry. You've still got a kid that really played well at the end of last year when everybody was on the injured reserve. Tyler Lancaster did very well in a limited role. His role will now expand. But again, if you're going to be active in free agency, it's going to cost you a few of your bodies that are already on your 53-man roster. And I think this was a good move for Gutekunst because now you can use that $8.5 million you save on Mike Daniels with one sack and missing games 10 through 16 with an injury you can potentially put that towards signing Kenny Clark to a new contract. Yeah, and that's obviously what Gutekunst is thinking. But look, the only way that this makes sense 
Daniel's whole wanting revenge or whatever yeah. for this non-existent blood feud is if he really got wronged, okay? Like, I remember, you think back to, remember how I just went off, I think that was a couple of years ago already, on Jeff Fisher, when Jeff Fisher got let go by the Rams yeah. after an unbel- like the most leash I've ever seen any coach get in any sport. He had five years of losing records and before they turfed him. And actually, right. shortly before that, they had actually given him an extension before realizing that what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And Fisher's response was, I just want a chance to play the Rams. Now, now of course, they went on to hire McVay and go to the Super Bowl right. and all this stuff. And now they just gave McVay an extension too, which is great. And he's yes. awesome. But... Nobody else wanted Jeff Fisher. Nobody's hired Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher sucks. And you can't make the case that giving him five seasons to lose every single year, you can't say that he wasn't given a shot to do well. It was ridiculous. It was an insane thing for him to say. You only go out and say, I just want a chance to show these guys they were wrong when you haven't been given every chance in the world. Now with Mike Daniels, guess what, Mike? They tried to trade you. There wasn't a single team willing to give a seventh-round pick for your ass. Bingo. There you go. You're 30 years old. You're on the downswing. And nobody believed in you enough to do anything in practice other than the Lions. Yes, the Lions gave you a one-year deal worth $9.1 million that if you suck, they don't lose anything after this year. No other team was able to put their money where their mouth is, uh, especially when it comes to giving up assets for your assets. And, get, <laughs> and guess what? You're on Detroit now. So, Mike, I'm glad your wife is named Heaven because you're going to Detroit. And that's not Heaven. That's the Baghdad of America. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Former fourth-round draft pick, a pro bowler in 2016, a good football player, absolutely. But I think the Packers got a little bit better. I really do. And I, if you're going to muddle in the waters of free agency, it's going to cost you on, you know, the Packers are a publicly funded team. That's why everybody knew that the Packers' revenues were down to $750,000 last year. It's because of two straight years of non-playoff seasons and deep plunges into free agency. That eats away your cash space, your cash space folks. And um, to recoup that, you say goodbye respectfully. Respectfully, they didn't badmouth him or anything like that. I mean, the ultimate badmouth is they tried to trade him, just as Chris just said. They tried to trade him. No one wanted him. Let's switch gears. New York Giants, wide receiver core. (laughs) Now, remember last year when they were... Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe my... My memory tells me that the Giants last year were three and thirteen. Am I right or close to it? I think so. All right, yeah. they were they sucked. Okay, but that's you know. Uh, but one of their problems last year, besides not having twenty two Saquon Barkley's, is that they had some re- really decimated by injury, if I remember correctly, wide receiver core. And um, this year's wide receiver core ain't starting any better. Just in the last 48 hours, to my, from what I've been able to put together, in the last 48 hours, Corey Coleman tears an ACL during Thursday practice. Sterling Shepard fractured a finger during the same practice. And Golden Tate, off-season acquisition, has just been handed a four-game ban for a banned substance that, that I believe and what I have been able to read so far seems to be a bit on the bullshit side by the National Football League in regard to this was a a substance that he took to try to help him and his wife uh, conceive a child. And 
once something inside this substance is on the banned list, and now they've got Golden Tate a four-game suspension. So um, is this performance-enhancing? Well, unless he's, it's in the <laughs> performance of making babies, but I don't think it has anything to do with his on-field performance, and this is under appeal. But the Giants' wide receiver core, if you thought Eli sucked last year <laughs> and you think the kid from Duke is your is your answer at quarterback, without these without these weapons, Corey Coleman, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate, um, you could be Y.A. Tittle reincarnated in 1959 and, well, you're probably still going to suck. Um, Giants wide receiver core. You know, this is how desperate they've gotten, and I want to hear from you, but this is how desperate they've gotten. Supposedly, Dave Gettleman, that all-star general manager of the G-Men, has already contacted ex-Panther and ex-Buffalo Bill, Kelvin Benjamin. That's how desperate the New York G-Men are for wide receivers <laughs> catching balls from Eli Manning. Kelvin Benjamin, <laughs> holy shit. This will be Private Benjamin and Private Judy Benjamin from the old Benjamin, uh, Private Benjamin movies. Oh, man, I, that's what I get for unlisting my number, I guess, <laughs> yeah, is that yeah. they're calling Kelvin Benjamin when I'm sitting here available. But, yeah, poor Golden... I love Golden Tate. And, I you do, know, too. Golden yeah. Tate seems like just a really cool guy, and, and, he's a, and he's a really good leader in the locker room. People like him. I know he's 31 or whatever now, and he's getting older, but... Look, he was taking the fertility drugs, but he's the one getting fucked. And, <laughs> and nice. Because he released a really nice statement today that I yeah, really liked. And it's he said, this, could, this did not and could not have helped my performance. Taking some fertility drugs with my wife in April and then immediately discontinuing use a few days later when I found out that part of it was in the band list. Uh, how does that help me? And they really needed him in the slot as that intermediate threat because I know they've improved their O-line, but they're either going to have noodle-armed Eli Manning <laughs> or noodle-armed Daniel Jones. I watched yesterday. They showed Daniel Jones' first throw from practice, and everyone else was on the right side of the field, and the ball went to the left side of the field, and everyone just kind of stood there like, oh... Yeah, this was a reach. Look, the Giants had picks 6 and 17. Mm -hmm. They could have taken him at 17. There was no reason to take Daniel Jones at number 6 overall with Ed Oliver and people like this on the board. That was totally ridiculous. But they do need Golden Tate, and they'll get him back, I guess, after the four games. I hope that his suspension is reduced on appeal because that's totally ridiculous. Any games, I think, is wrong, but four games especially is ludicrous. And so to not have him there for weak-armed quarterbacks and having that veteran presence. And then Sterling Shepard should be fine. He fractured his thumb. Yeah, but, I, I get and, that. But, but, but he meets Sterling Shepard. Who cares? He's nothing special. Corey Coleman actually, even as the number three receiver, I don't think he'll be missed at all except on special teams. He's a great returner. But as a, as a wide receiver, I think he's a non-factor. But yeah, it, it is a disaster. The offense, Saquon Barkley, other than an improved offensive line, Saquon Barkley could be held out to dry there like teams are gonna just absolutely load up the box every single play and it's and it's gonna be tough for Saquon Barkley I think this year even though he's got all the talent in the world Max Kellerman on his show this week he's the guy that co-hosts that show with Stephen A Max Kellerman said that Saquon Barkley is unequivocally undoubtedly number one number uno biggest horse in the whatever the biggest stallion in the whatever he's the best running back by far in the National Football League I don't disagree with that, but I don't think he's got a lot of help. Well, I mean, if you had him on a real football team, the numbers he could put up. And I don't disagree with Kellerman's assertion that he is the best running back. But 
there's a reason this team was three and 13 or whatever they were last year. They weren't very good is that offensively, defensively and special teams wise, they sucked. And so, yeah, they've, they've made some slight improvements, but, uh, I, I, boy, if, if Saquon Barkley could be on the, oh my God, I, I, oh, Barry I, Sanders has no Super Bowls. Yeah. Exa- thank you. What are you going to say? What else are you going to say? <laughs> like, honestly. Perfect. Um, <laughs> like, Welcome to uh, episode number 370 of Unscripted. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke here with you. And I want to stay a little bit on a New York theme here. Got a lot of things to talk about. It's amazing. I found things, just tons of things to talk about today. Want to get to a lot of them. But Nick's legend. And this is this is kind of a kind of a shot right now at the whole city of New York and the eastern, you know, and that east coast. Uh, because... Uh, I've got something that I want to bring up in in, lep- in the later episodes this week in regard to some rankings of the respective divisions in the National Football League, and we'll certainly bring that up. But this one was just, I just kind of found it funny. You know, we've, we've had a lot of momentum in the NBA. Toronto gets their first uh, NBA championship there this year. And then the unbelievable free agent frenzy of guys changing. And within the first three hours of free agency, uh, over $3 billion in contracts had been, uh, agreed to between parties, but there, you know, we've always talked on this program and you'll hear it f- forever and ever. Amen. About the the number one media market in the world, which is New York City, and the 14 million people or 17 million people that make up the uh, the tri-state area and, and whatever else. But so, what is it lately with New York sports teams? Now, yes, the Yankees are playing well this year, but I mean, think about it. The Jets and Giants have both blown. The Mets have been terrible for years. The Knicks have been non-existent since the Pat Riley days, and uh, haven't won a title since '73. The most successful years of the Brooklyn Nets organization was when Dr. J was playing in the ABA and they called New York home in the old Nassau Coliseum. What is it with New York? They should have every, they should have every uh, advantage that any sports team should have. Knicks legend Walt Frazier, the guy that was the point guard when they were, he was probably the shooting guard on those great teams back in the 70s, the last time when the Knicks won in 70 and in 73, the last time the Knicks won an NBA championship. Walt Frazier's been working for MSG, calling Knicks games with Mike Breen forever and ever, amen. And Clyde is obviously Homer through and through. He bleeds New York Knickerbocker blue. But he is still shocked weeks after it happened that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving chose the Brooklyn Nets over the New York Knicks. Clyde, it shouldn't have been that big a surprise. The Knicks have been irrelevant, as I just mentioned, since Pat Riley was the coach in the 90s into the early 2000s, and they haven't won a championship since 1973. Red Holtzman was their coach, and their sixth man was this goofy-looking fool named Phil Jackson. Oh, my God, if you've ever seen video of those old games. I mean, I was around to see those games. Phil Jackson looked like a goofball. But the biggest thing about New York is James is James Dolan, the, the owner. He's a putz. Why is it, Clyde, that you're so surprised that people in all major sports, seemingly, maybe they're in, maybe not in baseball because the Yankees are still prevalent, but every other major professional sports team in the city of New York is really 
been in a down cycle for quite a long time. Why is that? I can't understand that. And and Walt Frazier's been around the game of basketball playing and broadcasting for over 50 years. Should it be such a surprise what the problem is, Nick, uh, Walt Frazier? I can't understand it. Well, I think he's kind of living in the past there. There no were question. no Brooklyn Nets back then, so his frame of reference, I think, is a little <laughs> bit off. And why would yeah, why would you want to go to a franchise that has such high expectations and such low results for so long? It's just like playing for the Leafs, even though they've gotten better the last couple yeah. of years. It's the equivalent exactly of playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Why would you want to go under that microscope with a franchise that always underperforms despite all the advantages in the world and being the number one revenue team and all that? And it just doesn't make any sense why the, the risk versus reward, it's just not worth it. Why not go to somewhere decent, either go somewhere where the weather's nice or where the team's decent or ideally both, if you can find that and just and relax. a state income tax, a state free income tax. I, 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 ideally that for sure. But I mean, there's just, there's no reason to play for the Knicks right now at all. I mean, there's another New York team that has cooler uniforms and better ownership and is more exciting and plays in a newer building. Yes, <laughs> that's right. You're right. Absolutely. I, so, I mean, I don't know what the, you know, you get to hang out with whoever, does Jay-Z still part of the ownership of the no. net or no, he's not because he's a, he's an he's agent. A, an agent. He's, now, so yeah. he can't do that or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, there's just, it's just, there's a kind of a cool factor with Brooklyn and, and everything and. And the Knicks don't have any of that. The Knicks have James Dolan playing bass and kicking out fans who <laughs> Charles Oakley, who, who, yeah. who heckle him, you know. And it just it's just a disaster. So I don't know. The, the Knicks. We have made more fun of the Knicks the last few months on Unscripted than any other franchise, and there's a reason for that. It's not like we inherently just have to hate on New York teams or anything like that. It's just that the Knicks suck. They're poorly run. They're not interesting. They're overrated. They're boring, and they've been shit for too long with no excuses. And at this point, there's no reason to cheer for them because they're not even cool. Well, and the names that you're still synonymous or are still familiar with in regard to the team and the organization, they're living in the past. No, Patrick, you is what comes to mind yeah patrick ewing or walt frazier coming out here and wondering why these guys are passing up a golden opportunity i mean i've said it on this program and will continue to say it. why didn't lebron james a year and a half ago even give a sniff to the new york uh basketball knicks why didn't i mean he couldn't have started the wall and all these other things that he's doing in television as an executive producer now he couldn't have done that in new york um i don't know interesting really is um I can't believe this as we uh, sit here and talk about this, this 370th episode of Unscripted. But I really can't believe it's been seven years already um, since this came into our focus and uh, it changed the way a college university uh, was perceived, I suppose, Um, the way their football program for surely was perceived on a national basis and i'm talking about the unfortunate scandal involving penn state defensive coordinator jerry sandusky and um it's been seven years since he was convicted of molesting 10 boys and the reason that this is back in the news and i i if we never hear about this individual again i wouldn't lose any sleep i can tell you that right now but he has made the news again because the state of uh, Pennsylvania has uh, listened to its constituents and have made the proper decision, in my opinion. Some of you might not agree with that. I, that's fine. But um, 
Jerry Sandusky won't get a fresh chance in state court should he get a new trial. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court on Wednesday, just this last couple days ago, turned down the former defensive coordinator's request that it review a superior court decision from earlier this year rejecting most of his arguments in regard to an appeal. And they aren't going to listen to that. And all I say to that is hallelujah to the state of Pennsylvania. But I am shocked. Because, I mean, as we as we embark on another college football season, um, there's always, there's always, in my mind anyway, there's always a mention and always there's always something that that dates me back to Joe Paterno and, and how great his football programs were and, and how synonymous they were with success. But for me, it'll always be a little bit tainted now because of the doings of his defensive coordinator. And uh, I, I, hope the, I hope as we move on, seven years pass now and then seven years pass more down the road and another, hopefully, the rest of his waking days, I hope we hear less of Jerry Sandusky and we can we can finally put him in the back burner of life because that's where that piece of crap deserves to be. Well, also, I think that the punishment should fit the crime, and I always found it a bit dubious that since he got in trouble for loving to shower with guys, he got sentenced to shower with guys for the yeah. rest of his life. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was really appropriate, but anyway, uh, yeah, just another great argument for the death penalty. It was wonderful. And I do feel bad for Joe Paterno, though, because... yeah. To, I, I have looked at this guy over and over again, and every time I just cannot see anything other than a confused old man. Yes. Who maybe still understood football, but I don't think he really understood, understood life. Yeah, yeah, like he was one of those guys. He was just always a football guy. <clears throat> he still looked like a guy out of the 60s, you know, mm-hmm. even his glasses, everything. He just looked like a confused old man who didn't get anything about today other than potentially football. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, Joe, uh, you're a piece of shit and here's cancer and now you're dead in a month. Yeah, yeah. It's like, holy K, like, do that to Jerry Sandusky. Don't, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, give, give like, call, call Jerry Sandusky a piece of shit and give him cancer and then right. he's gone in a month. Fine. But like Joe Paterno, and I could be wrong about this, but I cannot see anything there except a confused old man who I don't think understood what was going on. Even if he had heard through the grapevine that, hey, Sandusky is doing something, whatever, I don't think he would have understood it. And I've always said this, and I just, I can't see anything else being the truth. Joe Paterno, uh, just a a little old man who didn't get what was going on. All of a sudden, he was given cancer and, and he's out. So that was really too bad for him. I don't fault him for that. I don't think he understood anything that was going on. Uh, but Jerry Sandusky, uh, no punishment is too great for him as far as I'm concerned. Couldn't agree with you more, and I appreciate you saying that because that's the way I feel in regard to Coach Paterno. Um, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, it was just, you know, it's like trying Everybody to... involved in that's wrong place, wrong time. I don't mean to short-sight it like that, but I mean, I don't... What I mean is that, I want to make sure I'm perfectly clear on this, is that Paterno just didn't understand the ramifications and didn't understand what was going on. When that uh, that assistant coach approached him and said, and he didn't have, I just don't think, I, no, the 82-year-old man didn't know what the hell was going no, on. No, I, look, my grandpa was a really smart man, but I tried to explain the internet right. to him. Yeah. And it, like my, my grandpa, he could do math as well. Even when he was really old, he could, like in his 80s, he could do math in his head like nothing. Sure. 
Uh, he could he could take apart a car all the way and then put it all the way back together. Like, you know, he fought in the war. Like, you know, he was an engineer, an engineer, a draftsman or whatever, that type of stuff. I mean, just a really, really sharp guy right till the end, right till he was, he died at 90 uh, from cancer. But right till the end, he was 100% brain was totally clear, never had any cognitive or mental issues whatsoever. Right. But I tried to explain the internet to him. Yeah. And I tried to explain email to him. Yeah. And it just didn't work at all. Like there's not, and maybe I didn't do a good enough job, but it just wasn't happening. He was just lost yeah. with that. But uh, so, so I get it. And I, I think that that's, this is just a, uh, you know, I don't think Joe Paterno spent one second of his life thinking about pedophiles or anything like that. I don't. I just don't think it's anything that ever, uh, you know, came into his life in any way. And so it, well, he just wasn't ready for any of that to happen. We've got a run on this 370th episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.